I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. Here's the fangirls on Jackalope Radio. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the Fangirl Radio Show. I'm your host, Jessica Dwyer, and with me, after spending an inordinate amount of time in the world of Night Vale, is our own fangirl extraordinaire, Rachel Moore. I'm back and I'm bad, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so this week's episode, we are going to talk mainly about the Weekend Geek and also about the loss of yet another great master of the um, printed page, Mr. Elmore Leonard, um, which was a great blow for all of us who, you know, the the lovers of Tarantino and, and that ilk as well as uh, Justified. The man gave us a lot of amazing characters and a lot of great reading, and uh, he passed away um, last week, and we are very sad about that. I remember, I think it was the summer I was 15, where that summer I just decided to read all of the Elmore Leonard I could get my hands on, and the librarian in our little village had to like send out to the big city to get some of them, because I think they only had like one or two of his books, and... Um, so, yeah, I read a lot of Elmore Leonard that summer. And I haven't really since, but I always remember very fondly. So the thing with Elmore Leonard was so many of, of his works were turned into film that people didn't realize they were books years before they were turned into movies. I mean, like yeah. Mr. Majestic, Rum Punch, which was turned into Jackie Brown, Out of Sight. You know, we had Get Shorty, um, Touch. Which um, had uh, Skeet Ulrich in it and Bridget Fonda. Uh, it, you know, there was a ton of films based off of it. And then I think it really hit its his stride, not only with Jackie Brown, but uh, being turned into, you know, Rum Punch being turned into Jackie Brown, but justified just well, off you, the charts. You know, the thing that people forget, though, is Maximum Bob was right. just actually um, – it. Actually, the summer I was sixteen was a big deal because it turned that it, that sh- um, book into a serialized show that I think was a little weird, and they weren't sure what to do with it or who was watching it because it was more comedic. Um, but uh, we had Maximum Bob, and people just weren't ready for it. And now we have Justified, which is less comedic, but it has that kind of smirking quality. With all the kind of dark, actiony stuff that Leonard fans love. Well, and then he—I mean—he was writing up until his death, um, I, which I believe was caused by a stroke. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he never recovered from it, but he had released a book 
uh, called Raylan in 2012 mm-hmm. based off of Raylan Givens. And so it, I mean, right up until the end, he was writing and, and then he did his own screenplays as well with like 52 pickup um, and Mr. Majestic, but it was, you know, he did, oh God, there was just so much good stuff. And, and I, it just over, Many, many years. And, and not only that, but a lot of people don't realize that uh, 310 to Yuma was his. Right. Which is a complete Western, you know. <laughs> well, and it's been made into a movie twice. Right. And I mean, the, the thing is, his the way he writes was so descriptive while having that terse quality that is so kind of macho man, you know, the the thing that people like about Hemingway, but having um, the ability to keep that terseness and that brevity and still paint an entire picture. And so I think it makes it really easy to turn some of his books into movies because you see them so clearly in your head. Right. And he, he actually had a way about him that was very sparse and, and kind of like, I don't know if, if, uh, if you ever, if the our listeners out there will read the the book that Drive was based on, and and it's that quality where it's 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 kind of old school noir where you uh-huh. you don't give a lot of description, you keep it going, you get keep the reader interested, and you don't overwhelm them with detail. You let their brain kind of take it over and and see it, and that's why they are so perfect for screenplay adaptations and films because then a director can take that core source material and do it and uh, make it look how they see it and and that it's just brilliant and you know we don't have a lot of writers like that anymore and so it's very sad and yet another one we've lost well and he comes from a time in writing where i don't know that if Ray, uh, if he was writing Raylan Givens or if he was writing Get Shorty now as a new writer, if the book, big book companies would pay attention to him. And so, you know, I think that's the most important thing that I take away from this is not so much like there's no hope and all the great masters are dying. We've lost Bradbury. We've lost all these people. It's that there are so many people out there writing good stuff that can't get through it. Um, the process of publishing. And so, uh, ebooks and self-publishing has been taking off. I've been finding some great um, stories through that. And I, you know, people still want to read these things. They still want to read that style. They still want to read good literature. And that's, that's something I wish that um, the mainstream publishers would take more notes of. Well, and I, the other part of it is that the, the publishing companies are a lot like the film studios now. They only want to publish the stuff they know will sell and that the what i call the airport fiction where Mm -hmm. it's it's the just the glut of no-brainer crap that you it's every all of it's the same same stock characters same stock situations i was flying to i want to say georgia and in the in salt lake city which kind of surprised me I was looking for something to read because I'd already read all the books I'd brought with me. <laughs> and, you know, it was the usual airport fiction. And then there was Good Omens with by Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman stuck in there. And I went up and I said, I'm so happy to find this. And she said, you know, um, we we have rotating books all the time. But whenever we don't have this, every other person is asking if we have it. So now we just stock it as a matter of course. And I'm thinking, yeah, people want to read actual stuff. 
you know, good works of fiction on these long flights, it saves you, you know? Oh, yeah. And, and good omens. You can't really beat that book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always fan casting it in my head. <laughs> but it, it is a very sad time. And, and to lose him, um, especially with the upswing of his, you know, just everybody suddenly was Elmore Leonard lovers again because of Justified. And and rightly so. Exactly. So uh, we lost a great one. And, and I'm very sad about that. But we do have all the books. And I'm sure that you know, we'll get, they'll be recreated again in, in film. I know we just had 310 to Yuma redone a couple of years ago and, and, you know, Justified still one of the highest rated shows on cable te- television right now. So that's a great thing. Uh, I love it. And Timothy, get in my pants, can do no wrong. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, but Out speak- of control. Oh, I love it. Uh, so I had to bring up um, speaking of the stock kind of fiction that we've had a couple of things that have happened now that I have to bring up in the world of comic books that are kind of terrifying to me right now in this time that we live in. So I don't know, Rachel, if you heard about what happened at the the Fan Expo in, uh, in Toronto. Uh so they are getting ready to release a Superman Wonder Woman comic book. DC is DC's not really scoring points in the last couple of weeks. Right. Um, and this is one of the things that they have done that's kind of pissed off a lot of people. Coming on the um the tail end of the fiasco of Todd McFarlane and Mark Miller, um saying things basically that women shouldn't be reading comic books and comic books aren't written for women anymore and they have no business reading them, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. They they are releasing this Superman and Wonder Woman comic book. Um, that's It looks like it's basically written by uh, men. And this is what they're saying as to why they're writing this. Now, I don't know if you knew that, you know, Superman and Wonder Woman are getting it on in the DC universe. Right. So this is, um, a a gal that was there, um, named Liz was in the audience and she actually writes, she has a post on IO9 about this as well as the Mary Sue had, had taken it and ran with this. Um, at the expo, this is what he said. Uh, you know, they wanted to get the female. Uh, we wanted we wanted to create a book that targets a little bit more of the female readership that's been growing, and maybe a book that has a little bit of romance in it, a little bit of big se- bit of sex appeal. You know, something that would, for lack of a better example, that hits on the Twilight audience, because the Twilight audience, I guess, all women are the Twilight audience. <laughs> you know, millions of people want this. Is this is from? Um, the guy that actually was uh, Daniel Tony Daniel, who is talking about the book that he helped write. This is what he's describing, what he wanted to go for. You know, millions of people want to see those in the theaters because it has those kind of, you know, subject matter. The drama, the characterization with love triangles and forbidden love and things like that. So... Yeah, because that's why we love Wonder Woman. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. know, because she's such a sex symbol. That's yeah, the whole, that's yeah. the whole reason. Because you know, the, the, you know, it's just been really disappointing because I was such a hardcore DC fan for so many years. Um, 
but I, I, I switched over to their other um You went over to brand. Vertigo. I went over to Vertigo, and fortunately, I haven't seen a lot of the crazy that's been happening in D.C. happening in Vertigo, and I might be wrong about that because it has been at least two months since I bought a comic. But Well, um, well it gets better. I mean, this is, oh, this, is, this, is, oh. this is the Q&A portion of the panel where... And you're Liz, saying they're going, just stop talking so I can still like your stuff. Just yeah, stop talking. Liz walked up to the, to the microphone and asked... When you were talking about Superman Wonder Woman, what caught my ears was you're making it a romance and romantic to catch the ro- the women. My question is, that's not all you're doing with it, right? And and he go and this is the actual response from from Daniel. Are you asking if you'll see like Superman butt shots? I will be sure to keep it in. What? They act. Yeah, that's why we read. Oh my gosh! They actually said that to her in front of people at this convention. And it sounds like the guy has not set foot in a comic book shop since 1995. It sounds like he's missed the whole geek revolution. I well, the the fact that you know that's what they think that we're in it for, and wanting these comic book characters to to why we read them well that's what i'm saying is like i i thought we were done defending being female geeks who liked who were already reading superman who were, were already reading wolverine way before they cast hugh jackman the the comic book fans who at first went mm, hugh jackman's kind of pretty to play wolverine you know yeah and so i thought we were kind of past that and it just sets the whole feminism in the genre back so hard well and i'm not even if you know i don't really consider myself like this hardcore feminist but hearing stuff like this just pisses me off it's like i'm not in it for yeah okay i will go on about a guy's looks i i think guys are pretty i think superman's pretty and all this stuff but i'm not in it just for TNA for men, you know, if they're, well, I don't know what the T would be for a guy, but, you know, that's not what I'm. Shoulder blades, I'm yeah. pretty sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> t- abs, T. That, that part abs. of the neck from like the, the base of the jaw to the clavicle. <laughs> like if you're going to, if you're going to gear a comic towards me, he has to be like British and and really thin and too pale. Exactly. <laughs> and have like an abnormally long neck. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. This is so like if you really are going to like do the lowest common denominator and base something on looks, maybe you should actually talk to a female and find out what she finds attractive. Yeah, you know, I'm sorry, but it's to me, it's this is just atrocious. And uh, DC, you're, you're not you're not winning fans. And on the other side of it, not just the women, but the men, you've lost a lot of fans as well. Also, women too, with what you've done. With Lobo. I don't know if you've seen this, Rachel, but they have released what the new 52's Lobo is. Uh oh. He looks like he walked off the pages of Twilight. You know, I have to Google this like immediately. Um, I, I, yeah, it's, it, I don't know why they thought they needed to do this. They've pissed off quite a few fans with this redesign. I don't know. If it wasn't, why does he look like an elf from World of Warcraft? Here's the thing: he's attractive. Like, don't get me wrong; I think it's, it's a cool pretty. design, it's, but, but it's not Lobo. The whole point of Lobo is that he's not concerned about being attractive. 
And if they're rebooting him as some kind of suave person in the new 52, what's the point of Lobo? Because his whole thing is to be, you know, big, burly, and mean. Gross. And, I mean, my favorite Lobo comic, and I, I can't read it again because I can't do so much gratuitous violence, is Lobo versus The Mask. And it's the most that they ever pulled back Lobo so he wasn't as raunchy. But it's still, I mean... It's just, it's like some 12-year-old's twisted imagination. And so to make him streamlined like this is just like, this is why I'm not, I haven't picked up any new 52. I page through them and go, yeah, nothing nothing more to see here moving along. Right. I mean, I, I saw this and I was looking at it and I had a little bit of a problem with what they did with iVampire. But at the same time, uh, you know, Andrew Bennett was always sort of, he was always thin and, and, and beautiful to me and whatever as a, as a character. So I wasn't so concerned with the redesign they did on him. They even kept the little white stripe in his hair and all of that. Mm-hmm. Not as big of a difference as right. Popo, who now looks like a male freaking model. Well, and, go and go ahead, update his look. I understand his look yeah. is like very kiss, you know. Go ahead, do that. Make him more grungy based on this generation. That's cool because you have to revamp things every once in a while. It's how it goes. But, you know, he should be more Alice Cooper and less like a a dark elf from World of Warcraft. <laughs> yeah, he looks like he walked off of My Chemical Romance. I mean, <laughs> I, no, that's I, giving those guys way too much credit. <laughs> but, but I know Gerard Way, we love you. But that's I true. this is to me just stupid. I, I, I don't understand this. And the the reader base of Lobo, while there are women like me that would that love it, there are a ton more men that read Lobo that think of him of him as like this their id god wild kind of thing. You know, Lobo is a crazy, big, burly, bad mofo that will fuck you up. Sorry. Sorry, Gerald. Um but it's it's true. And well, there's yeah. nothing redeeming about Lobo. That's the whole point. Yeah, he's, he is totally that kind of id fantasy. Right. And it's not my cup of tea, but like I appreciate what it is. It's just like, you know, I don't expect somebody who reads Lobo necessarily, this doesn't mean you can't like both, but to necessarily really love the unwritten, you know, or fables, you know. You know They're what, not the same thing. You know what I find amusing about this, though, in one way, is the fact that this character is the representation of what women have been dealing with for years where there is a there is a definitive perfect body type and they are now focusing it on a man see but it's not the same because the the male stereotype is not based on what women want like the female stereotype is the male stereotype is based on the male power trip of domination and you know being most powerful so it's not the same thing but they're objectifying him this is totally objectifying him well i you know when you once you're talking about comics everybody's being objectified but you know i think i think the the problem is he's still not objectified how i find somebody attractive you know i'd almost be less 
I'd almost be more okay with it if it was Look, like, okay, we're going for a female de- demographic, and this is what he looks like, and he looks like Tom Hiddleston. And I'm like, all right, you know, I can see that. But you know what? Because right doing now it's that. all about demographics, and they don't care about anybody thinking. They're just saying, how many people can we sell this to with one image? Right, and, but th- what they're doing is they're basing this off of this weird Twilight-esque, which is I, – I don't I, – I can't believe how much power that – Thane has now in the terms of of the world of fantasy and on horror and and all the genre stuff now but it does and this is how they're 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 so goofy they think that's what women want right there and and they're and they're doing it and they're they're spiting their male the, the males now are getting spited because of it i don't know if i agree with that like just as a feminist is like being watching it and being aware of it it's not that they're being necessarily spited it's that i think everybody's basic intelligence is being spited because i see it (laughs) it is because it's really about um who how can we appeal to the lowest common denominator in the broadest scope it's not about um girls really like this or guys really like this it's about we can sell this to people they'll all decide that this is what attractive is and they'll buy it. And we know that this can be done because things like Twilight exist where we have – we've hit some kind of demographic where, you know, it makes millions of dollars. And it doesn't – it doesn't even, you know – I was just reading something – an interview with Stephanie Meyer where she said, look, I'm done with Twilight. I'm sick of Twilight. It became something I never meant it to be. It was a kid's book, you know, that that got really popular and I'm glad, but I've moved on to other projects and I just wish everybody else would too. And the, 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 you know, it it really is. I mean, it's, we're talking about a young adult novel that came out seven years ago. Yeah. You gave it to me when I first moved here to review. Right. So seven years ago Mm -hmm. and it's still making millions of dollars. Yeah. And and the other part of this, too, that I find funny is they're trying to the, – the reason this has happened, they're saying this is the real Lobo and um, the Lobo that everyone is familiar with that's been running around the, the 52 universe and, and recent DC is a, an imposter. And that this guy, this new Lobo is uh, – <laughs> That kind of makes the old Lobo even cooler. Yeah, this new Lobo is even more deadlier and pissed off because more deadlier. Yeah, I am. I want that to be my catchphrase now. Like Rachel Fangirl, more deadlier. deadlier. So yeah, that happened. I don't understand. Um, But away from DC, which no, we can't because there's another piece of DC. We are going to hold that till the end. We'll return (sighs) to DC with that final blazing sun of doom that that they're bringing um but moving on to marvel and they have apparently uh cast the scarlet witch in avengers 2 oh yeah and it is elizabeth olsen which out of all the olsen girls i would i i would pick her as the least annoying and probably the more talented she's that she could actually act yeah and that's 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 kind of why I'm happy that she is going to be uh, the Scarlet Witch. Even though I kind of liked Cyrus—I can never say her name right—Sarah Rosen. Uh, <laughs> I know who you're talking about. Yeah, you know who I'm talking about Hannah. I, Hannah. Yeah, yeah. I, I I like her, and I loved her in Byzantium because she has that weird, just almost otherworldly look about her. But um, 
Elizabeth Olsen can actually act and and she is very good and and um she's actually I believe an old boy as well. So uh it, it'll be interesting to see her in Avengers 2 playing this part and I'm curious to see how they're going to like work all this together in that film how this the script's going to play out. Mm-hmm. Um also the other rumor that well, this is rumor this is rumor this isn't um, actual uh, fact yet is that Bradley Cooper could be voicing Rocket Raccoon. Oh, I've heard that. Yeah, and I, I find it funny because uh, Troy's not on with us tonight, but we've been <laughs> every time I talk about Rocket Raccoon, <laughs> he just laughs and scoffs at me, even though I'm like, no, he's like the most I, I, the one you know- I'm most excited about. <laughs> The the crazy thing is that I this is actually what they should be doing to market things to women because Bradley Cooper. I mean, so I, he's pretty universally it, taking something as squirrely as Rocky Raccoon and giving it to Bradley Cooper would be like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that is actually not a bad thing. <laughs> That's racial profiling. It's what you're doing only. Oh, want want. <laughs> You're grounded. That's not. Um, but I, I actually, I still hope. I hold out the hope that they will get David Tennant to do it because I think that his voice coming out of Rocket Raccoon would be awesome. Bradley Cooper has got a great voice, but it's as long as Rocket Raccoon speaks French at one point. I don't know why work that into the script, but hearing Bradley Cooper speak French is kind of one of those things that everyone has to experience at least once. At least once. Um, so moving on to, oh, Dr. Who news, because I have to, Mm -hmm. right. Every, every episode we have to at least talk about Dr. Who once because it is the 50th anniversary and good things are happening in the world of Dr. Whodom. And, uh, the one thing that I came out this week and like last week too, is pretty much the grand moff has said that. Peter Capaldi will be keeping his Glaswegian accent. Yay! Uh, yes, that is a very good thing. I am very pleased by this. He should, because that's one of the things that I like about Eccleston, is he kept his accent, and lots of planets have a north. And lots of planets have a Glasgow. Right, I'm sure. <laughs> it's probably new, 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 new Glasgow. Yes, new, 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 new Glasgow. Uh, but it will be going on, and they also are giving a little bit more insight into because uh, uh, t- uh, I keep calling him the Grand Moff, uh, Stephen Moffat uh, at this. Uh, it was a press conference kind of thing, a Q and A that happened, and they were uh, trying to ply him with questions, trying to get out of, which is very hard to do. The man will not talk. I've tried. Uh, to get out of him a little bit th- of things about what's going to be going on with the new doctor. And he said that the, the accent will most likely be there. He's pretty sure. And they're talking about how he's going to be a trickier and um, more, uh, you know, no, as I said before uh, that I would, I think that he would be a, like a no guff talk, talk bleh, no guff taking doctor. You know, I'm really excited because I think that he will, um, kind of throw back to some of the qualities of the old Doctor Who series 
that we love so much. I really think that one of the reasons Tennant's performance was so wonderful was because of his love for who. And since Capaldi has that same deep, you know, abiding love and, you know, he, he, he started watching with Pertwee. And so he's my boo. Yeah. And you know, it's going to be great. I think it's going to be great. And as long as Moffat can, can, can stop with the melodrama and just give us our, you know, a good, solid, you know, I, I don't know. I just feel like the last couple seasons have been very telenovela somehow. Uh, and okay. I really want it to go back to like adventure. And if, if Moffat can, can bring that to it again, I will, I will take back everything bad I've said about Moffat over the Matt Smith. Well, I can't wait for uh, River Song to show up. Oh, I know. Oh my God. Oh, and Tumblr. Good Lord. If you see ripped apart like the River Song thing and, and be like, can you imagine these two bouncing off one another? Oh my God. It will be great. But the funny thing is there, there's a couple other things that he said, which is, uh, you know, uh, they were talking about how Clara and the doctor were kind of flirting with one another and, and uh, when it was Matt Smith. And now just as the line was, just as Clara is learning to have a proper old crush on him, suddenly he's Malcolm Tucker. <laughs> I don't know that that'll help her any. I, I mean, really. Well, either. And, and the thing that was funny was Moffat, uh, they, they, uh, they said they were basically asking him. He's he he's not going to be able to to flirt, you know. He's not going to be able to flirt with a young woman. And 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 Moffat kind of looked at him and laughed and went, "Yeah, because old guys don't flirt." <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, and I think it's funny too because you know when Nine loved Rose, when he regenerated, he became you know something he thought maybe would be Rose's ideal. I feel like you know he became younger and hipper. And more carefree for a little while. And then, you know, it's kind of the opposite of that. Maybe he's protecting himself a little bit. Well, but yeah, I, I find that funny. I find the fact that uh, they they think that he, he's not going to be able to flirt with her, even though we, we know that I've seen, we've seen, especially Moffat, you can tell he likes his young women. <laughs> he's going oh. <laughs> to be riding that crap in there, you know it. Um, the other part of this that, uh, I uh, I found I find amusing, and I've talked to Troy about it previously on the show. I I think we're gonna get surprised. I think we're gonna get a regeneration on the fiftieth. I think that the Christmas special is going to be Capaldi. Interesting. I I really have this feeling that that's gonna happen. It's not just because of you know putting the things together like I have. I I would um. I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt it a bit. And also, I don't know if you've seen this, but making the rounds this weekend and I don't know where they got it from. I I, I would love to know. There is a grainy photo of a screening of the 50th anniversary that has Matt Smith, David Tennant and John Hurt all together on screen in the 50th. (laughs) And they're all three standing there. And it's like, oh, my God. So, you know, I haven't because I, I even have it black, blocked on my Tumblr saver and everything because I don't I don't like to see things before they happen. I want to be surprised. Like, well, I want to know we're all going to be together. I know, but I just I don't want to have that impact lessened any because I'm I'm a, I'm a not an instant gratification. I'm a gratification delayer, you know. <laughs> so um, but the one thing that came out before we move on um is the fact that two things actually one 
uh, Moffat said during this Q&A that um, Doctor Who and Sherlock Holmes would hate one another. Yeah. Uh, because. One's impossible. Well, well <laughs> according to him, Sherlock is trying to be like some evil god or something. Oh, I could see that. And then uh, the doctor is trying to be more human or be, you know, not necessarily human, but have a humane so, you know. They might be completely jealous and completely repelled by each other. I can see that. Right. Uh, which means Benedict Cumberbatch should be the master. That only, <laughs> that only means Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, as much as I would like to cast him in all the things, he's already so booked. He has like six things coming out between october and december and he uh had to pull out of guillermo del toro's crimson uh, pink yeah crimson pink which is sad because i would love to see him directed by del toro just because it's such a different take than anyone that's directed so far but um but i mean when you think of how much work he's done and then he's been touring pretty constantly well and the other part of that though is he may very well get to be directed by del toro if he is cast as victor frankenstein that's true. That would be an interesting take because of, you know, he and uh, Johnny Lee Miller poured so much blood, sweat, and tears into that, um, the Royal Theater production. Well, but you, you, would, you would end up having to, to have a bag to hyperventilate in because not only would he be in it, but, but Doug Jones would be playing the creature. I know. And you, haven't, you, did, you were not at Star Trek Into Darkness with me <laughs> in 3D when his hand came through the... And Kristen was like, you have to calm down because I can't carry you out of this. <laughs> and when he cried on camera, on cue, yeah, he, he can cry, cry on cue all the time, though. That's all. That's just if, if he doesn't cry on cue, I'm disappointed. That's really where it's at now. Well, and, and Rachel and I will be holding one another and crying together when we go see uh, the, <laughs> the Fifth Estate. <laughs> I'm looking forward to Fifth Estate. They're... Um, August Osage County, which I'm really looking forward to. There's um, the next Hobbit. Oh God, the the Desolation of Smog. Voice coming out of a giant dragon. There's um, what else is there? There's the next season of Sherlock. <laughs> There's just a lot coming. Did up. you see the preview? The little t- teaser of "Hello, I'm not dead." You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Reminds me of the "Not Dead" tag on um that. <laughs> on a on tumblr but i just love he just decides it's him like lurking up on people like you think that you want to minimize the emotional impact if you're smart no he's he has no he's like it looks like he's like it looks creepy you can re-edit it somebody needs to do this for me re-edit it as like a horror trailer (laughs) (laughs) like re-edit it like it's like sherlock holmes is hannibal that that would be hilarious um does that for me i will i don't know knit you something (laughs) she does knit well and oh oh and share with everyone what was sent to you because it's the most creepy awesome thing oh i'm on craftster.org which is a really great um kind crafting site for people who don't like make doilies well sometimes we make doilies but usually they have cthulhu in the middle of them and they have a swapping community and i was in a bbc series swap and I was super excited because I got with this um I got paired with this girl who makes these great dolls and poppets and anybody who knows me knows that I really just want a cuddly cute little poppet so I was really excited and I I tend to tell people in swaps that they should just make what they're good at making because I feel like I get the best thing that way 
I think I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to stop being, I'm going to start being really specific because <laughs> she said, I'm sending you something big. And I'm thinking, yay, my poppet. She made me a poppet. And she did. So I get this giant four foot box. I open it and there's a body curled inside. <laughs> I made you death. She made me a life size Benedict Coverbot Sherlock Holmes doll with hair with the hair it's hair it has joints it has toes I mean it really is an amazing piece of art by this doll maker but it is kind of creepy because it is a giant skinny Sherlock Holmes so you know if you are of a horror turn of mind it might look like the pale man <laughs> or what's he called yeah yeah the pale man yeah the, the thin man wearing a Sherlock Holmes suit yeah but he actually is really he's just really cool it's just the kind of thing that you don't want to walk into a room and forget he's there and if she'd asked me can i you know do you want a giant life-size sherlock holmes i want to go no but now that i have it it's the best thing ever i am taking it beach it's gonna go on a picnic with me we've we've already chucked it into the back seat a couple times so and he'll yeah. get you through carpool lanes for free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's awesome. He's amazing, and he's posable. She made him so I can pose him. So he's um, he has his own tumbler, of course. <laughs> and I'm just checking it really quick to make sure I have this. It's sherdoll.tumblr.com. So it's S-H-E-R-D-O-L-L.tumblr.com. And you can see the first post of him, how he looked when I opened up the box, and also him sitting in my chair in my, I have a Sherlock Holmes themed study. So the Fangirl Beta uh, Cave is actually all of Femi Sherlock Holmes. I've got a skull, I've got uh, test tubes, I've got everything. So he fits in perfectly. He's great. I love him so much. But yeah, you do not know terror until you're not expecting to find a body in a box. (laughs) Yes, and and the perversion was my idea when we you posted about this. No, wait, you do not. No, not okay. <laughs> not okay. <laughs> in fact, the first thing my husband said, he looks over my shoulder, he goes, "Nope, nope, nope." Just not in the bedroom, and he walks away. <laughs> I'm like there is no, there is no worry about that, sweetie. Like, ah, uh, yes. Not thing <laughs> so let's let's move on <laughs> before i start reminding you things i i said uh, that you could do with this or like doll um so before we get into the big news of the week uh this kind of takes a bit of the sting out of it uh before we start discussing it the superman batman um movie which is <laughs> happening which we were all very, very, very excited for, and now not so much. Uh, my excitement level kind of rose with this. Uh, the the very possible rumor, and it's about 90%, I'm going to say, that this is true. Brian Cranston has been signed as Lex Luthor. Interesting. I would be totally on board with this. This kind of pulls this out of the mire it just kind of got put into. Um, with him being cast as Luthor, which was actually just sort of a joke that I think he sort of on the side said to someone during an interview. He's like, I would love to play Lex Luthor, basically. And with all the, the you know, his well-known turn uh, as in Breaking Bad, uh, as Heisenberg, the shaven-headed bad guy, 
we know he can do it and he's got the 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 humor too that he can bring to stuff that Luthor has sometimes but we know he can be intense and he can be a badass so i am i am on board with that yeah i don't have a problem with that casting i i still wanted kevin spacey to reprise but i know they're really trying to show it's completely a different thing well they're trying i think they're trying to distance themselves from superman returns by leaps and bounds and yeah over buildings and such um but yeah but the big news this week that sort of imploded the internet is the fact that no this is not a joke this is real ben affleck is batman all those people that were yelling and screaming and, and awesome wonder at Comic-Con when they did this announcement and they brought the guy on stage and he read the lines from the Retur- Dark Knight Returns where Batman kicks Superman's ass and tells him, you know, I want you to remember who beat you, Clark. My hands around your neck are now crying in despair. <laughs> Over this casting of Ben Affleck as Batman. Now, I know we need to give people a chance. I know people are saying they're doing all these comparisons to when Heath Ledger was cast. Or Michael Keaton. Or Michael Keaton. Now, I'm gonna, this is my thing, and I'm going to let Rachel talk. The thing with Heath Ledger... Heath Ledger had range. People are trying to say that I was one of the people detracting Heath Ledger being cast as a Joker. My only complaint when that happened was, isn't he, isn't he too young to be the Joker? I didn't think that he couldn't play a role. I was just surprised by the age. Mm-hmm. But And Michael Keaton, that was so far out of left field, there was no way it wouldn't work. You know, it, it had to work. That was such a random, but and and we know that he was a good actor, because you have to be a good actor to do really good comedy. You know, it, it, he's that's the thing. And what's so funny and ironic for this whole thing to me is the fact that during the RoboCop press conference, he kept calling himself Batman. So I have a feeling that Michael Keaton probably was really trying hardcore <laughs> to be cast <laughs> as Batman in this. Because what they are saying is this is a older, wiser, battle-scarred Batman. And, they're, and the reason they're – not only are they just saying that, but you know, for them to use Dark Knight Returns as their, their announcement piece at Comic-Con tells me that's the, the way they are wanting this to go. So for them to cast Ben Affleck kind of makes me wonder, what the hell? Here's where I'm at. I think, and I've kind of come to this conclusion. I think actually your husband and I came to this conclusion after something where I'm, I would rather, instead of be cautiously optimistic, I'd rather be pessimistic and be pleasantly surprised. Exactly. Because here's my thing. Ben Affleck has had some great performances with the right directors because I feel like he kind of comes in as a blank slate and the director helps him fill that in. And we know it's not because of a lack of intelligence. The man wrote Goodwill Hunting and directed Argo. You know, he's got, there's a thought in his brain, but it seems like for a lot of his career, if he has a really good 
director, a really great movie comes out of it. And if he has an okay director, it it all goes to utter hell. Well, <laughs> so uh, it could go either way, but I I just have a problem because to me when you cast an icon, they've gone to great lengths to make sure that anybody who plays Superman looks like Superman. And I don't I don't I don't know how he still has a baby face. He's older. And so it was funny to me because I had actually heard that they were trying to go with a younger Batman. He's older than I thought, but he still has kind of that baby face. And so I'm not sure what they're going to do to make him have the strong jaw, the, you know, and I've heard him do some voice work that was decent, but I I always saw him as more, if you were going to, if you asked me what, superhero could he play i see superman right like he's got the little spit curl he's got all that going on well he already played that in hollywood land but yeah he played superman and he's played daredevil and i'm kind of like you know uh. well the here's the thing that that i'm i i can't get over is that they're saying it also in his acting portrayals i've never not seen him as anything other than ben affleck in any movie even when he's, you know, in Argo, in in the town, where he's also doing double duty as directing, which are great films, mind you, they're great movies. Yeah, mm-hmm. but he's never not played anything other than Ben Affleck. He's, I don't know. I, he's always Affleck. I've I, never not seen it. I think it's hard because he is. He has been acting for a very long time, so. He's had more clunkers than a lot of guys his age who are famous now, you know, because he people forget he did Goodwill Hunting and Shakespeare in Love and Chasing Amy and remember, you know, um, uh, Geely yeah. <laughs> and, you know, Jersey Girl. And part of the problem is that a lot of people remember him from the kevin smith films who and kevin smith's friends with him so he writes for ben affleck but if you look at some of his his the stuff that he's done he has some range there Mm -hmm. Uh, especially if you look at chasing amy which is even a kevin smith film he went out of his way to to show that this guy could do comedy and he could do a scene that was seriously dramatic and but he's still ben affleck being sad the problem is that he (laughs) is one of those actors that we know too much about I mean, I really kind of miss the old Hollywood thing where you didn't know too much about them. So to you, you know, they were that character. And the problem with Ben Affleck, maybe it's not that he's always Ben Affleck, but maybe the problem is that his exposure means we don't see him as anybody else. And that is a detriment to the character. Uh, So that's going to be a hard thing to overcome. It's not really that I know him as Ben Affleck. I mean, he's a nice guy. He's really a sweet a doll of a dude. I mean, he really is in real life. He, he's awesome. But he has the range of him in a, as an actor is I've never seen any. He's always the same character. Even, you know, okay, here's Ben Affleck, he, but he's in a, he's a business guy. Business band Ben Affleck. <laughs> then we have um, U.S. agent Ben Affleck in Some of All Fears. Then we have uh, Ben Affleck, the comic book writer. And then we but, have, you know, people could say that about Johnny Depp right now that in the last few years, he's just played different shades of the de- same. Oh, color. no, he totally has. And so, you know, it doesn't I don't. But he's had I'm kind of playing devil's past. advocate because 
trust me, when I heard, I was like, I thought my husband was trolling me because he hates Batman and he knows I I am not a Ben Affleck fan. And I'm like, okay, that's not even funny. Like, I think, and then he, he said, I think it's great. And I said, you know, I think we should just be friends now. <laughs> but um, he, uh, you know, I'm not thrilled about it. I'm not going to be optimistic about it because whenever I'm optimistic, I get burned. But whenever I'm pessimistic, there's the possibility that I'm pleasantly surprised. So I'm not going to hate on him because I haven't seen the performance. And, you know, there are game-changing performances that happen. But at the same time, I'm not going to be like, yeah, we'll defend Ben Affleck in this because, you know, I – there's – you know, you don't bet on that horse. <laughs> well, and I'm looking at it like this. I'm, I'm, I'm reading this stuff that Zack Snyder's saying, and, and he's trying to tell people he's going to deliver an interesting counterbalance to Cavill's Clark Kent. Affleck has the acting chops to create a layered portrayal of a man who is older and wiser than Clark Kent and bears the scars of a seasoned crime fighter, but retain the charm that the world sees in billionaire Bruce Wayne. He's going to play Ben Affleck. He's going to play Ben Affleck. That's exactly what it's going to be. And here's the problem, Jess. If it was not Zack Snyder, I'm sorry, Zack Snyder can make a pretty movie. But that's all that you can say for most of his movies, in my opinion. Like 300, very pretty. Enjoyed it. Yeah, he makes pretty stuff off well, of every watch work. No, because there's nothing, there's no substance there. And so my problem is if you gave a really great director, Ben Affleck, he could develop something with Ben, I think. If you give Zack Snyder Ben Affleck, you're going to get Ben Affleck in, in playing Bruce Wayne. The, the only and thing Ben that Affleck playing Batman with his, you know. The, uh. the only thing that might save this, and I can't believe I'm saying this, <laughs> is the fact that he's friends with Kevin Smith, who is a massive Batman fanatic. And it's going to be like, you can't mess this up. Yeah, I, I'm hoping that Kevin Smith, like, grabs Ben Affleck, slams him up against a wall, holds him there, and tells him, my daughter is named after Harley. You f- this up, I will kill you. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> that is, that's the only thing I can, I can see that can come from this is Kevin Smith, like, you know, corners him. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I think that. That's my concern. If they if he went in there and they he blew them away with his Batman, hey, I am open to that. But I am so concerned that part of that is, you know, let's get this demographic that's hard to get that has all this money as we've proved. So, you know, I, I can't can't Well, and the the one thing that um before we uh sign off here i have to say though is like fifth estate i think that rachel and i are are, are probably going to be mm. seeing this at least three times in the theater fifth estate has convinced me that um the benedict, cumberbatch, <laughs> benedict cumberbatch could play agent Pan- pendergast and that needs to happen uh, benedict cumberbatch is this good period he'd be so good as agent pendergast Pendergast <sighs> series douglas lincoln and have you read those? Because if you haven't, I'll lend them to you. <laughs> You'll never get them back. They'll get lost in my pile. Oh, they're ebooks, so I can lend you through the. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm yeah, I'm working my way through. I just um I just picked up two of the um 50th anniversary Doctor Who reissues that they did, which are really beautifully done, and um, one of them is written by Mark Gaddis, and it's the third Doctor book. Yes, it's called The uh, Last of the Gathering. And uh, 
Yes, they're beautiful designs on the covers, too, by the way. The other one I got was Jonathan Morris's Festival of Death, which is a fourth Doctor book. Aren't you proud I stretched out and it's not a David Tennant 10th Doctor? I, I am. And I think that, you know, the third Doctor, you know my love for the third Doctor. God, if I like I keep saying online on Facebook, if Bessie drives out of the TARDIS, yeah, yeah. Peter Capaldi at the wheel, I will myself and that's it well i will die i will die happy and i will yes yes come on come on moffat give us bessie just one little shot of the little yellow roads oh my god um mobile no the who mobile the who mobile was flying the flying thing yeah it was a hovercraft that's what i want to say yeah they and it was so funny because one of my friends was like how do you justify that? Isn't it guy got left at unit? I'm like the brigadier's daughter is in Doctor Who. She can give it to him as a gift that she kept for him. There you go. There you go. I justified it. It's done. Give me Bessie <laughs> <laughs> and Peter Capaldi. I could just picture him just like freaking out if he got to drive that car. He would. He would freak out. Oh God, it needs to happen. <laughs> Oh, that's a happy note to end on. I like that. I like that. Come on, Bessie. So anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm going to give Affleck a shot because I'm just that way. I'm, I'm after the initial shock. I, it's, you know, we just have to deal with it. If <laughs> and it's and, reality of our universe it's, now. Yeah, it's, <laughs> happening there's nothing we can do and i really truly think they did it to sweeten the deal for him to direct justice league if it actually happens um but we'll see how it goes i guess hopefully like i said the fact that he's friends with kevin smith who is like one of the biggest batman freaks around literally and figuratively (gasps) is is uh hopefully gonna help him get that character down and even though I don't understand the older Batman thing, he's only 41 years old. He's not an older Batman. Not true. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. And if not, it's just going to be another one of those things where DC is it's, – it's sort of flipped now. DC is now making the live action flicks that aren't as good as the Marvel movies back when it was the other way around. Which what so- happened to our happy note? Bessie! Oh. Bessie! Yes! <laughs> oh, oh, Fifth Estate is going to have Sherlock Holmes, Doctor Who, and Dan Stevens. <laughs> Dan, Dan Stevens! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I held him off! <laughs> On Downton Abbey! I can't... I can't... <laughs> Dan Stevens, but he's pretty. (laughs) (laughs) You're completely out of control. Like that's why you're excited about this movie. We just made this big, this big episode where it's like, you know, we're here for the story and blah blah blah. And you're like, look at the pretty scrubby hands. (laughs) Look at all the pretty men. Oh God, shut up. (laughs) All right, guys, thank you for listening. This disaster has turned into and we will see you next week on fangirl radio bye